0: Will Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning have a role within the new Denver Broncos ownership group? And what may that role look like if he is brought on? You get that and a little bit more on today's Friday episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Senior Broncos Analyst at Mile High Sports, joined alongside by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantly orange.com. Both of us also cover the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown Network and 9 News. And once again, Broncos country, thank you so much for every single day making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. Whether it's free and available everywhere, you get your podcasts in audio form or if you watch on YouTube, make sure you take care of your three most important tasks each day. That is eat your protein, drink your water and listen to locked on Broncos. Uh, Today's episode of the show. We're going to break things down from the standpoint of a former well-loved Denver Bronco. Could he have a potential role in the Broncos new ownership group in Peyton Manning? We're going to break that down here today. Sarah, my friend, can't wait to talk about it.
1: I can't wait, Cody. I think this is one thing that really everybody had dreamed of when the whole ownership rumors kind of started heating up, wasn't it? Everybody really wanted Peyton Manning or John Elway or both to somehow be part of purchasing the Denver Broncos. And of course the initial Walton Penner family group that's purchased the Denver Broncos for $4.65 billion, At this point in time Peyton Manning is not part of that but it sounds like that could potentially change. I mean we talked about this before that there was potential that with all these different ownership groups that were bidding in the second round of bids to purchase the Denver Broncos there was potential that they were all going to try to involve Manning and i got to think that there's something significant about that right that 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 would be kind of like a hey, here's something that all four groups are potentially thinking about doing and what that could mean and what that could look like. I personally think that this would be, it would take a grand slam, Cody, and it would just be like the perfect bat flip on top of the grand slam that the Broncos have already hit, I feel like, with this new ownership group.
0: I mean, I think it would make Broncos fans a lot more comfortable, too. I, You know, I've been seeing a mixed reaction, obviously, on YouTube comments, on Twitter. If you look at Broncos Facebook comments, which I, I never encourage people to go on Facebook for any kind of Broncos commentary, it can get very painful. On the eyes, and it could very you know frustrate you there. But I think one thing that the if Peyton Manning were to be involved in the ownership group, have an advisory role within this group, obviously the uh, the Walton Penner group, I think it could help maybe. Broncos fans start to trust the new ownership, right? And and here's the deal. I think that there's a lot of people that are skeptical about the ties to Walmart and everything like that. Look, I get it. But the Broncos aren't going to become a corporate type of team. They're not going to become this Walmart-like team that a lot of people are saying. I mean, we're seeing people comment, oh, are they going to sell Broncos merchandise in all the Walmarts now? Is is the stadium going to be called Walmart Field at Mile High? It's not going to be that. So I think people, relax. Trust me, don't worry about it. You supporting the Denver Broncos does not mean that you have to go out and you have to shop or support at Walmart. It simply has no tie. They're completely separate. Uh, you know, Adam Schefter had reported something that was interesting that the role of Peyton Manning, maybe potentially coming on as an advisor, could eventually mean being part of the ownership group with Walton and Penner and also having equity in the franchise. And Sarah, there's one thing I really want to touch on. One thing for Peyton Manning, and he's been very detailed about what he wants to do after football. And so, I mean, he had plans of maybe, you know, having an operation with a football team one day after he retired. Well, the conversations have started to spark a little bit more since he's retired. Is he going to have an involvement in Tennessee football in an administrative side of things? Or is he going to look to purchase an NFL franchise? Then once the Broncos are up for sale, a lot of people said, okay, he's going to be part of an ownership group that's going to look to purchase the team. He's going to try to be part of it in some way, shape, or form there. But this is what Peyton Manning wants to do. And I do believe that he will have a role. He will bridge the gap, I think, for the, the trust that isn't there yet between the fan base and the Walton family and the Penner group. I think it's going to be important. And I think for him to have some equity in the team, a team that gave him a second chance when nobody else did. Well, I mean, there were teams that wanted him. But when the Colts discarded him, he said the Broncos made him feel welcome again. They made him feel like he was at home. And now he has a potential opportunity to be part of uh, you know, the home stretch for the remainder of his life and to have an impact on the Broncos, both on and off the field still. And a couple
1: of things on that, exactly what you're talking about. It kind of feels, doesn't it, like the the trajectory, the storyline of Peyton Manning, if, if we're thinking about this in terms of, you know, like a story or a movie or something like that. This is really what Indianapolis Colts fans kind of dreamed of. At least it would be my thought of what they dreamed of, just like what we thought with John Elway, when he kind of saved the franchise back in 2011. He came back, he got into the front office, he started pulling all the strings and he pulled the right ones. And it was it was like euphoric. It was almost cathartic to have John Elway doing that. I think a lot of Colts fans kind of maybe hoped or felt like, Peyton Manning will eventually do the same type of thing. You know, they they even built him a stadium or a, a statue outside of the stadium to to exemplify their their, you know, love for him and to to like you said, I mean they did discard him back in the 2011-2012 offseason when they were going to draft Andrew Luck. So first of all, this is something that I feel like it's kind of like the Colts dream being lived out in Denver for Broncos fans, but at the same time, we've talked and fans on Twitter have talked so often they've always brought up when the Broncos have had these many different coaching changes and, and the vacancy in the general manager chair. Everybody's always wondering about Peyton Manning potentially doing those things. And it's just, it was never realistic for him to be an NFL coach or to be a general manager. And the reason for that is, is the day-to-day grind. I mean, it's just, it's not that Peyton Manning couldn't handle the day-to-day grind, but you could always tell that his preference was to do more than just to be a position coach or be an offensive coordinator, which of course he could do extremely well but but that's not necessarily the grind that he's going to be part of position coaches in the nfl don't get paid 20 million dollars a year which i'm pretty sure he's going to get paid from espn to do monday night football and and just building that portfolio so business wise schedule wise we know that peyton wanted to spend more time with his family and that's why he's been kind of holding off on these tv deals until the monday night football thing It just always made sense for him to be part of an ownership group where he will get to be part of major decisions with the team football wise, roster wise, organization wise, not just in terms of the roster or in terms of coaching. But now he's going to potentially, you know, hopefully get the opportunity to do a lot more for the Denver Broncos than I think any of us dreamed or imagined when he signed with the team back in 2012.
0: Broncos country, well that will lead us into our Broncos country thought for the day. Let us know in the YouTube comment section or on Twitter. Do you believe that Peyton Manning coming on in an advisory role with equity in the team would help you gain more trust in the new ownership or are you already bought in? Let us know in the YouTube comment section down below or on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger at Locked on Broncos. But coming up here in just a moment. We heard from players yesterday at the UC Health Training Center following the final day of organized team activities ahead of this upcoming week's mandatory mini camp, We get to hear a little bit from Garrett Bulls and why he wants to feel the love in 2022. We get to that coming up here in just a moment, but before we do that, folks, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. It's a good friends over there, BetOnline.net, and BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference finals major league baseball and of course all the fighting news from mma ufc and boxing bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information including live betting esports and more so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts as we jump into the second half action on this Friday episode, Lockdown Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, thank you so much for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. Every single day, we appreciate you for your second listen after the show. Make sure you give our guys over there the Lockdown Avalanche podcast some love. Chris Maselli, Kyle Sullivan, as the Avs await to see who they will play in the Stanley Cup Finals. And Brandon McManus, obviously the Broncos kicker, believes he's hoping for a sweep. Whoever the Avs decide to play, but for the latest on the Avalanche, go check out Lockdown Avalanche today. Free and available everywhere you get your podcast. And available to watch on YouTube. Sarah, we got to hear from several players yesterday at UCL Training Center after the final day of organized team activities. We got to hear from Garrett Bowles. And, you know, Garrett is always kind of like this wealth of, you know, I think good quotes and also just some storylines too, because he's just very open. He's a very honest dude. One thing he said is he just wants to feel love. Like he was asked a question about the new ownership. What does he want to see from them? And he says, just want to feel the love. Like (laughs) we're going back to this point, but he made a very interesting point that you know, without the Broncos having ownership representation, of course they were represented by Joe Ellis and John Elway in the day to day. But Garrett Bowles and the Broncos and other teammates knew that hey, that had an expiration date at some point. And now the Broncos are set to have an owner. I think for the first time since Garrett Bowles has been in the NFL, has been a member of the Denver Broncos. Goes, there will be that ownership presence, so he's never really experienced that
1: before uh, so this will be a first for him. And that's kind of interesting to think about, isn't it? That The fact that many of these players, I didn't realize until Brandon McManus talked about it, that most of these players that are on the roster today probably never did meet Pat Bolin when he was still living. So it's kind of crazy to think about. It It feels like, you know, the last 10 years have just blown by so quickly, but they, they really have. And for Garrett Bowles, and I think for many of these players, Cody, I think that there's just this huge sense of relief that these things are all in the past, these major landmarks and these things that, you <laughs> really have held this team back from being able to kind of collectively be itself, right? I mean, what you're talking about with, when when you're talking about a new owner and feeling the love for the players, I think that that goes in so many different directions from my vantage point point, my perspective, right? It's just a sense of relief that you don't have to worry about. The team's going to be sold. Who's going who's gonna to be buying the team? Are we going to like who's going to buy the team? Are they going to like us? Are they going to care about us? Well, now you have all these different things that are in the rear view mirror. Now you have your new head coach and Nathaniel Hackett. You have a new ownership group in place, and it sounds like potentially growing to something even better than we we dreamed or hoped for. And then you also have your quarterback in place. You have Russell Wilson leading the team on the field. So there's structure and, and stability on and off the field. And one thing that I thought was really cool that Bowles talked about, Cody, specifically just in terms of feeling the love, not necessarily just from the ownership group, or from his coaches, is the fact that you know when they're when they're in the locker room this younger coaching staff is more relatable To the younger players, he's like, he's talking about how they they understand, you know, the way that we, the ways that we think, the things that we like, they understand all these things. And you could tell that there's just a disconnect. I believe Draymond Jones called it a night and day (laughs) difference between the two coaching staffs, but you can just tell there's a sense of relief that all of these different major pieces have fallen into place for the players.
0: You know, things are definitely different. And I think that everybody is wanting to know what will this team be like culture wise? What will the resilience factor be for them? Or will they have one? Let's say if they do go on a losing streak at some point this season, how does that change? And we know that Nathaniel Hackett has said, I'm going to be me. I, I'm going to keep doing what I know how to do, how I've been doing it for many years as a coach. So even like if a three-game losing streak happens, he's still going to be upbeat, but I think there's going to be more serious tone to it. But then again, we've also heard from Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick, he said, like Nathaniel Hackett, he comes at you like a man. It's like we, Sarah, we probably don't see that as much because we get the really upbeat, energetic guy in the press conferences. We see the videos and we see how he interacts with like, even kids, youth, and the the community of Denver. But, you know, when Tim Patrick says, you know, he comes at you like a man, which means that like, you know, hey, he doesn't, down talk, he doesn't talk down to you, but, you know, he'll get on you if he needs to. Like if you're messing up, it, it holds everybody back. And that's one thing that Tim really alluded to, which I, I'm not surprised because I, I don't think that everything is always so peachy as a coach and I I think between players and coaches you're going to have times where your coaches are going to get on you you're going to have times where as a player you're frustrated but at the end of the day these guys all are on the same page they know what they want they know what goals they have in front of them what they hope to achieve as a team as individuals both as players and as coaches and I think that is where the dynamic is really changing inside this locker room As, as you alluded to what Garrett Bulls had said and what even Draymond Jones said about you know the comparison between Vic Fangio and Nathaniel Hackett and the staffs from this year and last year he did mention it was a nine day difference but he also said you know I, i'm okay with both and knowing what we know about draymond jones and how he is i'm not surprised like that is exactly probably what Dray, draymond's okay with that because draymond just wants to win football games he wants to wreck people and i think you know when you look at garrett bulls he wants to do the same thing as well so there's something that i think provides a little bit of relief as you talked about there but you, you did mention it i think the overall relief is that players no longer have to wonder okay, hey, what's it going to be like next year? Like, If the team is sold, are they going to look to move out of the city of Denver, which I think is a huge fear of the fans. Luckily for Broncos country, that's not the case. Denver is staying in Denver, and the whole stadium thing is a whole nother conversation.
1: It is, you know, and, and that's one of the things I think comes to the forefront of their minds because <laughs> you see all these teams that are building new stadiums nowadays. I mean, it feels like more than, than normal, I guess. I don't know what's really normal for building new stadiums, but it does feel like a lot of teams are playing in new spots, and I think that's cool. You know, I think that's awesome. And I don't know what the Denver Broncos future holds in that regard, but I do think that a new ownership group, they're going to want to host a Super Bowl someday or maybe multiple Super Bowls. They're going to want to host the NFL draft. And, and in order to do those things, you may not necessarily be able to have your stuff all in a downtown area. I don't know. I have no idea how any of that stuff works. I just know that a lot of these new stadiums are being built in the outskirts of the cities in which the teams actually play. So <laughs> I think that obviously you want to preserve the the history of the team, like I've mentioned before, the Broncos stadium is really in the, almost the literal heart of Denver. So it's, it kind of just representative in that way, just kind of a personification of, of what the team means to the city. But I think that's obviously something at the forefront of these players' minds. And Garrett Bowles even mentioned that he talked about, you know, the Rams got a new stadium, even though the chargers share that stadium, which I think kind of stinks. I wouldn't want to share my stadium with another team like the chargers and Rams or the giants and jets do, but that that's sometimes how it works out for teams, but I think you do have a deep pocket owner. And so you're going to get those deep pocket questions and thoughts from everybody involved in the organization. It's like, well, what what could happen next? I mean, this guy's worth, what, 60, almost $60 billion plus the rest of the ownership group. So I think anything's on the table at this point
0: anything is on the table at this point but you know outside of Garrett Bowles wanting to feel the love there is a newfound energy in Broncos country we talk about how it has excited the players plus one of the Broncos top premier talents has a lot of praise for a guy that we've had a lot of praise for in Michael O we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment but before we do that we have an important favor to ask you the listeners here the lockdown Broncos podcast and we put together a survey so we can learn more about the listeners like you who listen to us every single day who make us your first. Listener today, and make your favorite Lockdown podcast even better. And this is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Lockdown Podcasts. You can go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and every person that completes the survey will have a chance to enter and win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards here today. All you got to do is go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey to take our audience survey today. We appreciate your help and thank you so much for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the the day. Diving into the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. There's a newfound energy in Broncos country. Broncos fans are energized. Broncos players are energized. Russell Wilson is saying, Let's ride. Like he's excited about it. We're all excited about it. We're ready to ride as well. But more importantly, now that there is a new owner in place and set to become approved by the league, the 24 expected votes needed are expected to go through by other NFL league owners. So that process could take another week, week and a half, potentially two weeks, but the process will be facilitated. Rob Walton will take over control there. But one thing that we've noticed so far, Sarah, throughout these press conferences, throughout OTAs, and obviously we're just a couple of days away before Monday's mandatory mini camp, which every Bronco is expected to be in attendance. There's not anybody expected to not be there. If they can't participate, they'll obviously still be there in person, having that physical attendance, Uh, but there's new energy in Denver. And this is a, consistent theme I I think that we'd say we've seen from players I know being at the team facility for one of the days so far this offseason the players had that mentality to them I mean even media members are excited there's a new energy amongst media members other fellow media members that we have the chance to work with Sarah Uh, things feel really good right now now is this the honeymoon phase or how can the Broncos in your opinion capitalize on this and use it to their advantage
1: well, I think this new energy is going to immediately translate into super, super high expectations, especially from the fan base. I don't know necessarily that the like the media. I don't know if the media is going to get super critical uh, and and evaluate the Broncos differently just because of the different the new look, but. Look, I mean, you've got a new owner, a new head coach, a quarterback, a clear vision for the team. Everybody's buying into that vision. How could you not be excited? And you're undefeated right now, right? Everybody's undefeated at this point. So it is a honeymoon phase right now, and things are only going to continue to get better over the next month or so. And and I just think that that's awesome for the Denver Broncos and Broncos country. It's, I mean, not every team has to go through like a 25-year drought or 30-year drought or whatever the Cleveland Browns are on right now. Six years is long enough for Denver Broncos fans to not be in the playoffs to not be Super Bowl relevant. So I think it's worth, I think it's worth just really, you know, strapping up and just joining the ride, getting on, getting on board this train, this hype train, the freight train that's really moving along and just knocking out anything in its path. I don't think that necessarily means you got to be blind to any sort of realism. Like we understand very few rookie head coaches win the Super Bowl. Very few, very few times in history, although it has happened two times in a row the last two seasons, does a quarterback just join a team and they immediately win the Super Bowl? I know that there's recent examples of that, but at the same time, I think everybody in Broncos country deserves to be excited right now because there's, there's really no reason not to be. Well, I mean, it's a very exciting time right now for Colorado sports minus the
0: Rockies, and we hope that the Rockies get back on track at some point because right now between the, the excitement for the Broncos, the Nuggets, and the Avalanche we are going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. Sarah, I mean, Colorado sports has a really great chance to capitalize on this opportunity to be great in three sports. I mean, just imagine what that'll do for the city of Denver in and of itself. There is that, we also got to hear from Broncos, second-year cornerback uh, Patrick Sertan yesterday, who mentioned and talked about third-year cornerback Michael Ojemudia. And, Sarah, you know, for a guy like PS2, he was asked a question about are there any players that have stood out to him so far throughout OTAs leading up in a
1: mandatory minicamp? And he mentioned Michael Ojemudia. And you'd love to see that. You'd love to hear it. It's great to hear that somebody like that is standing out, especially because, I mean, they play on opposite sides of the field or if they're not on the field at the same time, you know, Sertan is noticing and making plays. And I think we finally got to see a little bit in the highlight, one of the highlight reels the Broncos released, finally got to see one of those interceptions that Ojemudia made during the practices and the sessions that they've been having. But man, it's good to hear them talking, you know, talking him up a little bit. It's great to hear his peers talking him up because OJ Mudia could end up being an absolutely critical part of the secondary this season. We've talked about before, uh, Patrick Sertan could move around the defensive formation a little bit. We know that that Jiro Evero, the defensive coordinator, they have experience doing that with Jalen Ramsey, dating back to their time with the Los Angeles Rams, just trying to find out, hey, how do you get a star player involved in the defense when nobody is throwing the ball at him? So you could see that translate to Denver with Patrick Sertan second and OJ Mudia could assume an outside corner role if that's the case. Oh, and that's something that I definitely talked about in one of my latest articles over at
0: milehighsports.com. I talked about Michael Lajamudi and the fact that the Broncos can get super creative with their defensive back personnel this season. If they want to move, let's say, Patrick Sertan on the inside and the dime just for you know a certain play, you could bring in Michael oh, Lajamudi on the outside opposite of Ronald Darby, and I think you have two very... Very capable corners on the outside. Plus, you have K-1 and PS2 inside the slot in those dime positions there. I, I like that. I, I think that there's going. it's going to be very hard to ignore, I think, for the Broncos, how to get Michael Og- Ogimudi onto the field. Now, I think going throughout this training camp and preseason, I think the biggest thing, if he stays healthy, Sarah, we're going to see a lot of Michael Ogimudi, And This is just a bold prediction on behalf of myself, knowing what I know. I think we'll see a lot of OJ this upcoming season, which could be a good thing for the Broncos because he's still the player. And as you and I have talked about on a recent episode of the show, I mean, there is a possibility after this season – OJ could potentially start opposite of Patrick's 10 the second, which we actually got a glimpse of that in the preseason this past year against the Minnesota Vikings. It was PS2 and it was also OJ who started on the outside against the Vikings. And hey, you know what? It turned out okay. It turned out pretty dang well for the Broncos there. But, you know, I think one thing that he also mentioned too is he's willing to shadow any opposing team's top wide receiver, which is not a, not a secret. Like he's no stranger to that. I mean, he did it last season. Uh, earlier this week, I saw something on Twitter about Eric Stokes, the cornerback. For the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, he's been, he hasn't been getting enough national recognition, and Patrick Sertan has. And we, you know, a lot of Packers fans think he had a better year in PS2. You can't necessarily compare both players. I think for Stokes, he got played in an elevated role when Jair Alexander went out, and he played really, really well. He's a really good cornerback. But in my opinion, I think both PS2 and Stokes didn't get talked about enough as much as guys like Greg Newsome and Denzel Ward did for the Cleveland Browns, which is very odd, in my opinion. Those guys got more recognition and more love. But a lot of people, suddenly forget that Patrick Sertan limited Tyreek Hill in the matchup. They had two catches on five targets, 22 yards and interception and coverage. And then for Jamar Chase, one catch on four targets for three yards. It's like, okay, what are we, what are we suddenly forgetting that two interceptions also against Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers while covering Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. He's no stranger to covering the team's best players. We're going to see a more elevated
1: role for him this season doing just that. Yeah, exactly. And I can't wait to see it. And I think the biggest difference between a guy like, you know, Pat Sertan and Eric Stokes, Pat Sertan became the best defensive player, arguably on the entire Denver Broncos roster. And Justin Simmons will have something to say about that. I believe he is still the best, but Sertan went from being a guy that, you know, he was playing in the dime. He was potentially going to be a backup going into the regular season to being arguably the team's best. Best defensive player last year, even if you just look at last year in a vacuum uh, and Eric Stokes didn't necessarily become the best player on the Green Bay Packers defense. So I think that that's maybe the biggest difference why Pat 10 got talked about a little bit more is because he just he became such a standout player for the Denver Broncos, whereas the Green Bay Packers were such a great cohesive unit. So I can't wait to see what the Broncos have in store for Sertan this year and I think that he's going to absolutely kill it. I do. I I think we're going to see some sacks. I think we're going to see some TFLs. I think we're going to see a lot of him, you know, playing over the middle of the field, which we're not used to at this point. I think we're going to see a lot of great things from Pat Sertan this season and like you said, Michael Ojemudia as well. If if Pat Sertan's moving to the inside a little bit, that's going to open up for other players like Ojemudia to come in and make an impact which I think in year three the time is right now for him to do exactly that He's got the perfect opportunity with a
0: brand-new coaching staff and some familiarity with Christian Parker coming back on staff this year. Our eyes are on Michael Ojimudia and Broncos country. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode, Locked on Broncos, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you so much. Next week, mandatory minicamp is here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you can expect full-on coverage and recap here on the Locked on Broncos podcast. Monday's episode of the show, we're going to preview the top storylines that we are looking at. For mandatory mini cap, and then Tuesdays will be a recap of day one. Wednesday will be a recap of day two, so on and so forth. You get all that coverage here, and much more. Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. <laughs>